pray together. Father, we, uh, we begin today three weeks of times of worship when we are going to look at uh, what it is you want for marriage, that you, you've made us better together, husband and wife, and we, we acknowledge that. Uh, Lord, I, I am so overwhelmed because I know there, there's so much that needs to be said, but there's only so much time, so uh, make every word count, Lord. Make, make what is going to be said here now penetrate hearts and minds and lives. And, and Lord God, what, what we know not teach us, and, and what we have not give us, and, and what we are not make us to the praise of your great name. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. We are, we are talking about the fact that we're better together. And uh, in order to be better together, we've got to go from me to we, and that is true, spiritually speaking, in terms of our relationship with God, but it is also significantly true in our marriages. And as we talk about husband and wife being better together, we're, we're going to understand that there is not a dichotomy, there's not a separation between your walk with God, you being a disciple of Jesus, your spiritual life, and your marriage. As a matter of fact, what we're going to see today is they're intimately connected. And so I want to assure you that as God reveals to you in ways in which there's going to need to be a change, I want to assure you that God will give you the strength. He will enable you, but you also may need help. And that's why we have the Counseling Center. And so I want to encourage you to know that we're ready. Our center is ready for you or anyone you know that, that needs truth, that needs help. All you got to do is go to livinghopecares.org and click on that Counseling tab, and, and you will be in contact with someone. Also, at the end of the service, over here, always in front of the baptistry, elders, pastors are here to minister to you as you have need. And do not be surprised. I want to call you to pray after this. I want you to be mindful of, of the reality of what is being said and to act on it in faith in whatever ways you need to, whether married or not. But as we walk through this series, I want you to understand young people that are not yet married, but maybe feel called to be married. This is, this is crucial for you as you are in your dating relationships, as you are giving consideration to the kind of person that you believe God is going to call you to. Please hear these descriptions, hear these explanations, and be wise in your choices in who you date and who you pursue in a relationship with. And for those of us who find ourselves in the great blessed covenant of marriage, may we be, be humbled and overwhelmed by God's grace and His care as we seek out what it is God wants to do in our lives, understanding that this is a gift from God. Marriage is a gift from God. Let's remember what God says marriage is. Jesus said this in, in, in the Word in, in Matthew chapter 19. Have you not read that He created them from the beginning, made them male and female, and said, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, one, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let man not separate. Marriage is one man and one woman entering into a covenant of marriage until death parts them. And this is the glorious gift of God. It is a divine gift. It is a connection that God makes that is not to be broken. And it's not always easy, but friends, it's not, it's not always difficult either. There is a great blessing in marriage when we are willing to do the hard thing. 
understand that, that what makes life so meaningful is, is our capacity to give ourselves to something greater than simply us. What makes marriage work is when we go from me to we. Instead of saying, what do I want? What am I getting out of this? We ask the question, what are we getting out of this? What is best for our relationships? What, what is best for what we are called to do in Christ? And to do that, you each got to give up your life for the other. Remember what Jesus said about what it means to have life with him? This is Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He said to them, if anyone would come after me, anyone's going to have a relationship with me, this is what Jesus said. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will, for, for my sake will save it. What's Christ saying? In order to be a Christian, you've got to give up your life. That's what repentance is. When we look at the three circles, we see this diagram so easily. We understand God's design is harmony and perfection, but because of sin, there's now brokenness. But here's the deal. If we will repent, that is stop trusting on ourselves, stop looking to me, and believe in Christ, the gospel, the good news that God has come to save us. And rather thinking about me, begin to say, Lord Jesus, it is our life. It is my life in your hands. I give up my old life. And I give you my life to, for you to make it new and to give me a new life. That allows us to pursue and recover God's design. So it is a marriage. We deny ourselves. We say it's no longer about me. Take up the cross, the, the challenge that is marriage, and follow Christ daily by serving the other person. And here's what's so wonderful. The more you give of yourself to Christ, the more you discover life. True life, eternal life life filled with hope. And the more husbands give their life to their wives, and the more wives give their husbands uh, give their, uh, their husbands their life, what they find is the significance of the gift of God in the life that was once two that's been made one. It comes through a sacrificial giving of self, going from me to we. And my goodness, what a blessing it is. That blessing is described in Ecclesiastes 4. Almost every wedding ceremony I, I perform, I read this text. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And, and though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. Look at this one. I love this. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. That's this. There's a difference between a marriage and a Christian marriage. And this last phrase, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. It's a difference between a marriage and a, this is a Christian marriage. See, a Christian marriage is not two people, but three. It is a man and a woman and God Almighty right in the middle. When my wife and I met and began to date, I was not a Christian, and she had no business dating me, but by the sovereignty of God, I was able to fool her parents. <laughs> and so in time, I became a follower of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ became the foundation of my life, who was already the foundation of her life, so that as God brought us together, God brought together and made one what is in Him. 
a man and a woman in Christ, bound together to one another in Christ. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Right now, in a lot of marriage ceremonies, I'm liking this. There's a new symbol that they're using. Uh, young people are, are, I shouldn't say young people, people that are getting married these days um, are, are, are tying together in the midst of these ceremonies a cord. And there's three of them. One represents the husband, one represents the wife, and one represents God. And in the midst of the ceremony, they commit themselves to this, this beautiful picture here in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and they, they weave together those cords, and then they tie it at the bottom, and they commit themselves to living out this life in Christ as husband and wife. You know, my wife is my best friend. Because of our bond together in Christ and our covenant commitment to one another, there, there is a trust there is a peace even in the midst of conflict. There is a life that I could never have, that she could never have on her own. And, and I can tell you, if, if it were not for my wife, I would not have the, the degrees that I have, master's degree, doctorate degree. I would not be the pastor I am, but because of her wise counsel and her prayer, I, I am able to be who I am because of Christ and because of, of my wife. And you know, I do stuff for her, man. I change light bulbs. I kill spiders. All crucial things in a marriage. And, and together, we have this bond. We, we have this life. You know, uh, last week, we were so blessed to have Jim Henry. How many of you guys were blessed by Jim Henry last week? Such a man of God. I so wish, I told him, I said, Jim, I just wish I could have you for a whole week. I, I had him speak to our staff and elders and families on Saturday night before preaching to you. I, I think we almost killed him because he preached five times in, in less than 12 hours. And we sent him home tired, I can tell you that right now. But he loves you all. And as a matter of fact, some of you were asking me for his address, so I put it in the bulletin. Here's what I want you to do. If he was a blessing to you, send him a card and tell him. And tell him that you're praying for him. And, and I want you, you don't feel like you need to mention this, but... but but do understand the, the challenge he's facing right now. He's been married 57 years. He mentioned this in the sermon, but he talked in detail with us, uh, the staff and elders, about their situation. His wife has been, has been struggling with Alzheimer's now for five years. And there are many days that they go without her knowing who he is. And he was sharing with us some of these times. And the times when she comes out, it's just awesome. Um, he was talking about how um, one day he said, "Honey, you're so you're so great." And she said, "You know, you're great too." And he said, "Really? Why am I great?" She said, "Because you married me." <laughs> and in that moment, she remembered who she was and who he was, and but soon she, she was again in that fog. And he said, "You know, it's just kind of weird things. Different happen. One of the stories he told. He said." One night, um, they were going to bed, and sometimes she goes back into another time period in her mind, and she'd gone back to time when they were teenagers, and, and uh, after the admit, she said, oh, Jim, you can't spend the night here. And he said, oh, well, honey, we're married. He goes, no, no, we're not married, and this would discredit your ministry, and our parents would be so disappointed. And she said, so you can't stay here. And he's like, well, dang, no. So he's got to leave. But then he said, but the good news is I come back 10 minutes later and she's already forgotten. And so we, you know, it's going go go, go, go about what, what we plan to do from the beginning. And, and wow, what faith it takes for him to be able to have that kind of joy in the midst of such sorrow. 
And friends, in your marriage, there's going to be times when there's sorrow, there's pain. We're praying uh, for a couple right now. Two couples. Amazing. Um, starting their marriage with cancer. And um, one was married a few months ago. One was married just this last weekend. And um, as they got to the, the part of the ceremony, they were sharing vows. And, and he has cancer. And, and, he, and he said, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Boy, there are tears. Because they know what they're getting into. They know it's not always going to be easy. And friends, marriage is one man and one woman bound in covenant till death parts them. And along that way, there are going to be some mountaintops and there are going to be some valleys. But through it all, there can be a great blessing of God. And what you realize, and what you realize, you already know this as a Christian. If you're a Christian, you already know this. That the great trials and challenges of your faith is what has made your faith strong. And so it is in marriage. The great challenges and trials is what will make your, not only your marriage, but your faith strong. When you struggle, and you struggle by faith, and you work through it by faith, your faith will grow stronger. And, and regardless of, and maybe because of the challenges, husband and wife are better together. Today we'll see how, they, how it is they can honor God uh, better together. And so if you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now to Ephesians chapter 21. Next week we're going to get into what is traditionally the, the biblical passage for marriage, a very, very important passage, verses 22 through 33. So we'll be reading that, but today we've got to establish the foundation of this. And, and it's deeply theological and deeply uh, personal and it's very, very important for husband and wives to know. And so today we're going to begin by looking at verse 21, which requires us to go back to verse 15, which requires us to go back to verses 1 and 2. But we're just going to read publicly verse 21. So let's all stand together as, as uh, Charlie Benningville comes to read for us. Um, Charlie will be the future pastor of Living Hope, so he tells me. And um, so Charlie is here. He asks often when he's going to be able to preach. And so there may be a calling here. So don't, you know, don't make him mad because he may be your pastor one day. All right. And uh, so he's going to read for us. For, oh, I'm sorry, but we're, he's going to read for us verse 21, and his mom's going to hold it for us. So, Charlie, if you would read that very important verse. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's hear it for Charlie. Wasn't that great? Man, he's good looking. Go ahead and be seated. If I was that good looking, I'd get me a TV ministry. I tell you what. No market for shiny heads. I don't understand what that's about. There's a humility that is required in marriage. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It takes humility to submit an apology when you're wrong. It takes humility. It takes humility to, to submit a service when you're tired. It takes humility to ask for help when you're weak and you need it. Write this down. I, I didn't put this in your outline, but it's so crucial, and I think they're going to put it up on the screen for us. Humility is the hallmark of a marriage that God honors. Humility is the hallmark of a marriage that God honors. 
there is no place for pride in a Christian marriage. Pride will kill your marriage. Humility is the hallmark of a marriage that, that honors God and that is honored by Him. And there's three types of humility that we can see in our text that a husband and wife are to experience together that enables them to honor God together. And I want you to take note of these. Again, verse 21 is built on verse 15, which is built on verses 1 and 2. So we're going to establish that as we look at these three uh, acts of, of humility that are meant to be experienced in, in any and every godly marriage that honors Him. So write it down. Understand, husband and wife honor God together with humble love like Christ. It's a humble love that is like Christ's love for us. Look at verses 1 and 2 with me in Ephesians chapter 5. Since therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Our love is to be like the love of Christ. We are to imitate God as his children. Remember what Oswald Chambers said, the resounding evidence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life is the unmistakable family likeness to Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 13 says, faith, hope, and love. But which one is the greatest? Love. Faith and hope will one day be realized. The one quality that we will express and experience for all of eternity is love. God is love. But God's love is a certain kind of love. Love in marriage is meant to be like the love of Jesus. Three words I want you to write down. The first one is this, unconditional. Husbands, love your wives unconditionally. Wives, love your husbands unconditionally. Conditionally, We love because we choose to and not because the other person always deserves it. Now, sometimes our wives, our husbands deserve that love. God loves us even though we do not deserve his love. Why does God love us? Simply put, because he chooses to. Husbands, there are going to be times when you must simply choose to love your wife when there is no reason that you can come up with to do it. Wives, you are to, you must choose to love your husband when you can come up with a bunch of reasons why you shouldn't. Here's what you'll understand. The more you choose to love, the more you will find that you do actually love. See, it is in the act of choosing to love that we discover the reasons to love. The more you act in a loving way, the more that love will become real and it will grow. The more you choose not to act in a loving way, the more you will destroy any love that may reside there in that relationship, however large or small it may be. All you have to do is simply act like you don't love each other and you will destroy this gift that God has given to you. Love each other unconditionally. Not because we deserve it, but because we choose to do it. Second word, love graciously. Love unconditionally. Love graciously. We are to forgive one another as God has forgiven us. There are grounds on which we could possibly make the case, according to Matthew chapter 18, that if we do not forgive, 
that there is the possibility that we ourselves may not be forgiven in Christ at all. Forgiveness is not a suggestion, it's a command. It's a command to all Christians. And so in a Christian marriage, one of the hallmarks of the humility that we have will be this humble love that chooses to not only love, but to forgive. I, I know it's hard to imagine for some of you, but I am not perfect. As a matter of fact, there's a case to be said that, that I, I have zero percent perfection. You see, I forget to do stuff. I am such a forgetful person. I'll never forget years ago, my wife said to me, you know, you are 99% perfect. I said, I am? Really? Said, Absolutely. I said, well, what's the 1% that, that's not there yet? And she said, the 1% is you for forgetfulness, and you forget to do everything that makes you perfect. So if you do the math, I'm 0% perfect. So she has to forgive me regularly. And you know what? From time to time, I have to forgive her. You know what? That's how we make it. We love unconditionally. We love because we choose to love. And we love graciously. We choose to forgive. And I know some of you say, well, you don't know what she's done. You don't know what he's done. No, but you know what you've done. And you know that Christ has redeemed you. How much more so are you required and responsible to forgive him or to forgive her? God's forgiveness not only demands but makes possible this grace, this gracious love. Lastly, sacrificial. Husband and wife are to serve each other, and it's to be done out of a reverence for Christ. You know, I personally like it when my wife tells me what to do, and you know why? Because I don't know what to do typically until someone tells me what to do. And I love it. And you know what I found is that she, she genuinely gets happy when, when I do stuff for her. And it's such a great thing because I love to see her be happy, but, but sometimes I, I don't know what to do. And sometimes I like what she tells me to do. Like a few weeks ago, it was awesome. She had all kinds of stuff to do. And she's like, okay, look, you and Asher have got to go away, all right? Go and have fun all day long. And man, did we have some fun. Some of you saw the Instagram pictures. Milkshakes, getting it on the field with the, the flying deal, getting it stuck in a tree. All kind, I mean, the, the problem is not getting in trouble with all the fun that we're having, right? That's easy. You know what's hard? Cleaning up after Christmas. I hate it. I hate cleaning that junk up. I hate it. I hate tearing the Christmas tree up because it scratches the fire out of me. I hate it because she loves all that stuff, and every year I break something that is irreplaceable. She has to forgive me. I remind her, Matthew 18, all the time. I, I, there's some things I love to do. There's some things I hate to do. But you know what? I love to see her happy. And so you know what? I'm always glad to do because I love her. And so there is this humble love that says, I love you because I choose to. I love you in, in, in a forgiveness and seeking forgiveness. And I love you because, because I, I want to sacrifice what I want to do to give you what you need so that you're blessed. This, this is what it means. And it's so important that we understand how to love each other. There's a book out. Some of you have heard of it. It's by Gary Chapman. It's called The Five Love Languages. If you're not familiar with it, let me encourage you to get familiar with it. We had Chapman here just over 10 years ago. We need to get him back. And in this book, he talks about how each person has a specific way that they like to be shown love. 
it's five of them, uh, gifts, words, service, time, or touch. Guys, find out the way your life, wife loves to be loved and love her that way. You can actually go online and Google this. There's actually a test that you can take, which would be a lot of fun, uh, and find out how, how uh, you know, what's the love language of the other person. And then you, you with wisdom, you, you, you humbly love that person. The second thing, write it down, is wisdom. I kind of gave it away. Husband and wife honored God together with humble wisdom from Christ. And so upon the establishment of verses 1 and 2, we now jump to verse 15. And how do we live out this level? We do it wisely. Look at verse 15. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. What is wisdom? Here, let me give you a very simple, simple definition. Wisdom is doing the right thing the right way at the right time. That's all wisdom is. It's being able to do the right thing the right way at the right time. And what God calls us to as this strand of three is to is to humbly do the right thing the right time in the right way. That, that means that we do it even when it's inconvenient. That's what makes it humble. Is that we do the right thing at the right time in the right way even when it's inconvenient. You know, Jesus was humbly wise. He was humbly wise towards the Father. Look what it says in John 14, 31. I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. What did Jesus say? I do the right thing. I do it when He tells me at the right time, and I do it the right way for the glory of the Father. Not so I can get what I want, not so I can manipulate, not so I have some chips to, to bring to the table, but simply because it's the right time when God tells me it's the, it's the right way, it's according to what He said, and it's for the right reason. It's, it's right all the way around. Jesus humbly did as the Father commanded. It is always wise to obey the Father. And humble obedience of Christ shows us how it is. The love of God has, is, is allows us to be honorable. Our life honors God when we do just a few things. The first one is this, is to, is, is to humbly, with wisdom, have the right attitude toward our spouse. I can't have the right attitude. Doing the right thing the right way is with a right attitude. Listen, you can do all the right things, but if your attitude is wrong, it doesn't matter. Wisdom is the ability to have the right attitude in doing the right thing. It has everything to do with you and allowing you to know the right time. Secondly, it's not only our attitude, but please don't miss with our words. Having the right words. We are humbly wise with our words to our spouse when, 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 when we just mark them protect them. And remember, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. See, some of you, I love you, oh, I love you, oh, how I love you. Versus, I love you, oh, how I love you, I love you. See the difference? And it's not just the way you say it, uh, with your words, your inflection, it's your body language. I, I will never forget this as long as I live. I, years ago, a, married, a couple came into my office for counseling. And I was listening to them talking. I was thinking, and I looked up, and they were both furious and mad with each other. And like, they're about to break out in a fight in my office, and the Holy of Holies, they're about to have a fight, right? And I just, I just thought, what's going on? So why are you mad? And well, did you see what she looked like when she said that? Why? Did you see him? 
he's ugly. I don't know what to tell you. I just, you didn't marry well. I don't know what. So here's what I did. I made them, I got two chairs and I made them go back to back. And I said, now talk about it. And I made him talk first. And I said, ma'am, what did you hear? She goes, I don't know what to think about that. I said, what do you mean? She says, well, I don't know what his face looked like when he said it. I said, well, just imagine him meaning what he said. She said, oh, that's hard. Then, then she spoke, and I asked him, I said, what do you think about that? Did she roll her eyes when she said it? I said, it doesn't matter. What did she say? And so we, they had to learn to say the right things at the right time in the right way. It's not enough that you say the right words or avoid certain words. You've got to say it right. So you got to watch. you got to be wise with your attitude. you got to be wise with your words. And, and you got to be wise with your time and your attention. Listen, there's so little time. You've got to be mindful of your time. I know some of you, you've got young children at home. Listen, your time is so precious. You've got to guard that time. You've got to make that time. And you've got to put to good use that time. Some of you, I know you're empty nested. All we got is time. No, you don't. I buried a man yesterday who promised his wife 25 years. All he could give her was 20. Some of you are going to have Alzheimer's before you know it. Your time is running away. Invest it. Make the most of that time. Be attentive to one another with that time. Be wise stewards with your time. Be there. Be present. And honor one another. Last thing. Husband and wife honor God together with humble worship of Christ. So again, verse 15 said, look carefully then how you walk, not as wise, but, uh, not as unwise, but as wise. And then in verses 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, there are examples given of how they are to walk as wise. And then we get to our verse, which says, one of the ways that we are wise and not unwise is by submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This part of the stipial phrase, it's built on verse 15. And the one of the ways we walk in wisdom is by submitting to one another. But notice why we do it. Out of reverence for Christ. There are going to be days when you're not want, going to want to submit to your spouse. There, there are those selfish times. We're selfish creatures. And, and listen, if your reason is just simply you or what you want, you won't be faithful. And it will not be worship. See, it's humble worship when we make it to the glory of God. Will we make it for a purpose that's bigger than us? I've got a friend um, who's lost 80 pounds, and this is a person that uh, I've known him all their life, and, and they've struggled with weight for years. And, and now, all of a sudden, they've lost 80 pounds. They're, they're on their way to losing uh, another 80. And it's been a year, and they're still making great strides. And so I asked him, I said, what's the difference here? He said, i got another motivation. So what do you mean? He said, I'm not doing this for me. He pointed to his two children. He said, I want to see them graduate. I want to see them marry. And I want their children to say my name. And I can't do it at the weight I was or the weight I am. I've got to get myself healthy. See the motivation? What is our motivation? It's to be out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for for Christ. God does not command us to submit to one another because it's always fun. 
God doesn't command us to submit to one another because we will get something we want. God does not command us to submit to one another because we will feel better about ourselves. Guys, hear this. God does not command us to submit to one another because it will save our marriage, although it may. God commands us to submit to one another because God is worthy of our obedience to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Our marriages are meant to reflect the glory of God. Do you think about your marriage that way? See, when I do a marriage ceremony, there's always an exchange of rings. And I, I will often say this in a marriage ceremony. Some of you have done your, your marriage, you remember this. I pick out the ring. And by the way, this is never a surprise question. I actually tell the groom, I'm going to ask you this question. And 50% don't even get the answer right. I, I don't understand why. I mean, I tell them it's coming. It's, it, it's like dealing with eighth graders. And so I just, I say, I say to them, first of all, this wedding ring is to be worn on your hand at all times because it communicates you're off the market, which is good. But then I ask the groom, I get a tell that. What is this ring made of? 50% of them. I don't know. The other 50% will tell me, and you know, it's almost always a beautiful, priceless metal. Mine's made out of solid gold. Some are made out of platinum. Often she has diamonds in her, sometimes this too. And I talk about how beautiful the ring is, and I remind them, every time you look at that wedding ring, Every time you put it on and you wear it, I said, always remember, your marriage is to look as beautiful as that ring is. When people look at you, when your children look at your marriage, they should say, that's beautiful. When your friends look at your marriage, they should say, that's beautiful. Listen to me. When your enemies look at your marriage, they should say, I cannot stand that woman. But boy, what a beautiful marriage. I cannot stand that guy. But my goodness, what a beautiful marriage. You know what that does when you claim Christ as your Lord and Savior and you live out of that three strands? You know what that does? That brings honor to God. You know what a husband and wife is uniquely able to do? Is to bring honor to God. Because because when you're together, you're better together. And when you're living that out, you bring honor and glory to God. Now, let me ask you, are you? And this isn't just for married couples. This is now for everyone. Does your life bring glory and honor to God? Can someone look at you and say, that's good. Husbands and wives, can someone look at your marriage and say, it's beautiful. The only way that will happen is if you will do it for the glory of God. If you will be humble in your love and your in your in your wisdom, and you make it worship. And I know to do that, some of you need to be saved. Some of you need to recommit your life to Christ. Some of you need to pray. And, and one of the things I want to encourage you to do, you can do that at your seat. You can do it come at the altar. Here's husband and wife. I want you to I want you to pray something very. Specific. I want you to thank God for a specific blessing that your spouse is to you. And then publicly commit to being something that, that, that this sermon has spoken to that you know, you know what, I need to be more wise with. I need to be more 
lovingly. I, I need to be more humble in my worship and ask God to do a work in you. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, we, we have a desperate need for the power of your great love to be at work in us. It is miraculous what you can do, God. The Bible tells us that what is impossible with man is possible with God. And so uh, there is no limit to, to what you can do to heal and restore and strengthen and bless a marriage. But God, it requires humility on our part. Humility is the hallmark of a marriage that honors you, O oh God. And so I pray today there will be individuals who say, God, I want to give you my life. I turn away from me. I want it to be we. I want it to be me and you, Jesus, forever. There's some husband and wives today who need to come and say, Lord God, we need you at the center. We commit ourselves to you anew, and we're going to live for your glory. We're going we're gonna to make this thing honor you. God, I pray that you will hear the prayers. I pray that you will bless these prayers in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing together. Come and praise you want to.